Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey, guys. Hey. This is Evan. And I'm Carissa. And we are the Lucky 10,000, the show that hopes to get you as lucky as, uh, oh, oh boy, I really burned all my lucky shit in the last you podcast. really, really did. Well, we just want you to get laid. So, um. That too. To get mentally laid. <laughs> I think that everybody is doing that, like, all the time, aren't they? Mentally laid? Yeah. I haven't gotten either one in quite a while. <laughs> Um, but no, this is the show that uh, wants to teach ourselves something and maybe hopefully teach you something. And uh, before we get deep into the subject of today's episode, we got a couple of shout outs. Uh, Carissa, please go first. The first one I want to do is just a quick congratulations to WikiShuffle, the WikiShuffle podcast. Mm -hmm. They won the best comedy podcast from the UK Podcasters Awards. Very nice. And it's very well deserved. I voted for them, so I assisted them in, you know, getting that award. And the Bearded Ones wasn't even nominated. Uh, you're not in the UK. Uh, you don't know that. <laughs> we Skyped this in. I could have moved. I know that South Carolina was once part of the colonies, but uh, we, you know, kind of burned that bridge. No, a I don't know about that. Ago. Some people around here are really trying to take us backwards through history already. <laughs> Uh, so just wanted to say congratulations to them. And the second one is a quick shout out to a podcast that was just getting off its feet a little while ago and was asking on Reddit for help getting like an icon and some artwork and an intro done. And I had time to kill. So I just kind of threw one together for them. Excellent. And they apparently really liked it and have used all of that artwork and intro for their show. Awesome. So they gave us a shout out as a thanks for, you know, me just kind of throwing some stuff together for them. And yeah. it worked out. It actually worked out pretty well. So I want everybody to check out. Don't laugh too hard. It's the Beetle Dicks Pod. Oh, boy. Dot Podbean.com. It's a Podbean. So they're a show that is... Uh, they're going over the 1990s quote-unquote kids show called The Beetleborgs, oh, which I, I had never even heard of. But I kind of checked it out a little when I was doing their stuff, and it was it was frightening. Like, <laughs> so 90s, just in the oh most... Oh, my God, yes. I don't think I ever watched The Beetleborgs. I think I was too old for it at the time. But I remember seeing ads for them in, like, comics and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, it looks horrendous. And so they're testing their sanity by yeah. going back through them and kind of recapping the episodes and that talking about them. seems to be the new thing in podcasting these days. Yeah. Uh, wait until you hear the subject of this one if you don't know it already. Jason Underwood, my co-host on Bearded Ones podcast, told me about a podcast he heard about where uh, every episode they watch grown-ups and mm -hmm. sort of talk about it. Yes. Um, how you were able to string it. How you want to voluntarily watch that movie more than once, I don't know. Because they're not fans of it. Right. That's the other thing. They're not trying to defend it. <laughs> Every episode is they've watched it again and they're going to talk about it again. Yeah. So torture podcast is what it's called. That's not actually what it's called, but that's what it should be. <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah. I have a quick shout out for a local podcast that I was actually on several episodes ago and didn't realize it until last week. 
Okay. A good friend of mine, she's grown up in the theater community around here. Her name is Erin Wu. That's E-R-Y-N. Wu has a podcast called Broadway Bound. And she interviewed me for it on episode eight, I believe. But um, at the time, she hadn't started putting them up yet. And I don't know if I just missed the notification that it was up, but she's already on like episode 13 as far as publishing them online. Okay. And so I discovered that my episode was already up. So please uh, look up and support uh, Broadway Bound. It's just a series of interviews with local and sometimes when she goes to New York with her family, Broadway people about acting and theater and how to make it and how to succeed and, and what people's opinions of, of good work are. And it's a, it's a really fun podcast. So shout out to her and I hope she keeps doing it and doing well. And maybe one day she will be broadway bound well i mean she keeps she's probably broadway bound now oh yeah just the Um, question of whether or not perhaps one day she will be post broadway bound on broadway perhaps yeah you could say it that way yeah there you go also last week we had a magnum opus episode about comedy and improv the improv section was understandably quite small because we'd already spoken for almost three hours about stand-up comedy. Hey, I got it down to two hours and 15 minutes. You did a good job. But I had remembered a story I wanted to tell on the podcast that I didn't get a chance to. So just as a PS to that episode, I just want to tell a quick improv story real quick. Go for it. I don't know if I told you the story or not, but you know, every comedian and every improviser, anybody that's into performance has to deal with not the best of circumstances sometimes. And doesn't matter how good you are, you will bomb at some point. Sure. We, my improv group that I'm in right now is called Laughing Stock, and there were six of us at the time. And one of our lead members booked us a gig, quote unquote, at a, a July 4th festival in Greer. Now, at this point, we had been performing at Coffee Underground in downtown Greenville, which is a small uh, 50-person stage area, which is actually a really, if you've never been there, if you're in Greenville, check out Coffee Underground, because it's got a really great stage for just comedy in general. It's very separate from the rest of the restaurant. It's got the brick walls and and everything. Well, they used to show, like, I don't know if they still do, but back when I worked there, way back in the day, they used to show, like, indie films. They do. Well, the great thing about it is you rent the space for 25 bucks an hour and can do whatever you want with it. Cool. So, yeah, people still show movies there. There's a screen there for movies. There's a projector. They even have added now a sound booth in the back with equipment and everything. Uh, They now have a green room, believe it or not, attached to the stage, which is not large. In fact, it barely qualifies as a room, but it's there. Sure. So they really are trying to make the space an entertainment space, which I think is great. We also had performed a few times at the Greenville Little Theater, which is just a wonderful space to perform on. But again, indoors and full of people who are there to see improv. One of the worst things you can do with improv uh, or comedy in general is be at a place where no one knows or cares that you're coming. So all we knew is that it would be an outdoor festival. That, that was strike number one that should have made us go, no, probably not. Because that kind of stuff usually just isn't as successful outdoors. Sure. We were also going through the phase, which apparently almost every improv group goes through, and no one ever stops and goes, this is probably a bad idea, where we had matching T-shirts. So six of us, all with laughing stock T-shirts on. Okay. Which just doesn't help it not seem really cheesy. And so we get there, and we're following the lady that hired us, and we're going down all these roads And we see all these little, like, 50-seat amphitheaters. And so I'm thinking, well, we must be performing on one of those. Now, we had been told we were part of the bill, which meant band, band, us, band. Which, again, 
Warning number two, never usually a good thing. So we come around the corner to the building we're going to park at and go inside and just hang out until it's our time to go up. And we see this big stage that has obviously been built for music. And it's just like a big concert stage. And so we see that and instantly all of us are like, well, that can't be where we're performing. That's probably just where we're parking. No, it was where we're performing. Okay. And if this doesn't sound horrible to you yet, trust me, it is. The worst space you want to play on as an improv group, especially if there aren't any, you know, screens to to blow up what you're doing. Mainly because it was hot and there were hundreds, the biggest audience we have ever played to were just there to eat barbecue and listen to country slash rock, southern rock music about three to four hundred feet away from the stage sitting in the shade of the trees. And again, you know, they're there to hear music. So we go inside and we're waiting and we're sitting there with our matching T-shirts and we're all thinking, "Ooh, this could be bad. This could be really, really bad. But we're trying to psych ourselves up, you know, trying to stay positive. We're all starting to get really, really nervous. It's getting close to showtime. The one band finishes their set and we're all standing at the stairs with only our friends like in the very front row at the gate, you know, the pit, quote unquote. And right before we're about to take the stage, the woman that has booked us turns around and goes, "Okay, I got a lot riding on this. And psychologically, again, not what you want to hear. Right. Doesn't help the atmosphere, per se. No. So as we go on stage, we notice that there's still a lot of instruments on stage. And we have like five short form games we're going to play. Technically, it was six. But halfway through the set, we cut one. (laughs) Because we need to get the fuck out of here. Smart. So we're doing, we start the first game, which was the dating game, which, you know, a lot of people are very familiar with. But we all had mics, handheld mics, and no one could see what we were doing. No one was there paying to see us. And now all these people are interrupting their music and verbally doing the dating game. And they can't see what we're doing physically at all or just don't give a shit. That is horrible. Oh, yeah. So as we're performing the second game, I think, and there's there's people running back and forth behind us the whole time. And all of a sudden we hear somebody testing their drum kit while we're playing a game. Oh. And that's when it hits us. Oh, they weren't like, here's a band. Here's a band. Here's your time. Here's a band. We're filler for while the bands are changing over. So we get to our last game. Mm-hmm. When we're, we're really hurrying through them at this point. And the last game was a game called Pop-Up Book, which is a very fun game. And it's it's almost like, oh, there's another game that's very similar. Because really in improv, there's really only like three basic types of games that you play. There are just hundreds of them based on that premise. It, we were all, The way the game goes is one person tells a story. Everybody else assumes a pose. And then that person justifies those poses because they're in his or her pop-up book. Right. And the fun part in the game comes when, you know, oh, Aunt Sally wants to punch Ricky in the face. I'm going to pull the tab and watch what she does. So, you know, they kind of give you a thing to do, pull the tab, and then you do whatever with it. Then they turn the page. You all assume a different position, and then that person justifies it in the context of the story they're telling. So basic point of that game is we all have to freeze and can't talk except for the person telling the story. So as the person in our group is telling the story, all of a sudden out of nowhere, and this is our last game. So we're like, just get it done with, man. Get it done. We hear, you suck. And then we look down and there's a biker dude with tattoos and a sleeveless leather vest standing at the foot of the stage with his arms crossed. And we just kind of laugh it off and then go back into the game and then get off the stage. And we're just like, 
Oh, no. That was my Brian Regan. Oh, no. And so the guy running the game actually made a little quip about it, which I thought was was good because you don't want to accept that kind of behavior. But sure. So we're like, we're also about to get off the stage. So he could hurt us. He's a very big man. (laughs) So we finished the game and we just slinked off the stage like with our tails between our legs. And now we couldn't even hide because we're wearing the laughing stock T-shirts. We're like, yes, we're those poor souls you just saw. Right. And we're wandering around this festival because a couple of people were like, well, let's just hang out and see what they're doing. And I was like, no, let's not hang out and see what they're doing. Let's go. Let's leave. Yeah. On the way out, the guy that arranged the whole thing for us turned to us as we're all commiserating about what an awful experience it was and goes, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I didn't think it was that bad. I'll probably want to do it again next year. Oh, no. <laughs> we're all like, you could do it again next yeah, year. Yeah, you're welcome to do that. Yes. Um, and the button to the story, actually, is that I wrote an email to the Kevin Pollack chat show using this disaster of a performance as a, uh, a segue into asking him what his worst uh, stage experience was and he read it out on his chat show cool and then gave me shit for writing it to him <laughs> so I was like at least it turned into being insulted by Kevin Pollock on his show sure. and then he told a pretty amusing story about when he was a comedian early on and he was getting any gig he could take and he thought the intro was very important so it had to be just the right intro ladies and gentlemen he did this he did that Kevin Pollock and uh, he was performing at a, in the back of a restaurant, and the announcement was, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're out of Thousand Island, and now Kevin Pollack. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that was just a nice little if, – if there was any silver lining out of it, it's that Kevin Pollack gave me some shit and then told his own bad gig story. But yes, that is – and it's not like the only bad gig we've ever had. By far the worst gig we have ever had. That would be awful. Yeah, it was bad. And it made us all question all of our life choices. At least we got rid of the t-shirts. Yeah, that was probably smart. Yeah. So anyway, what are we talking about today, Carissa? It's not quite a nerd rage. It's more like a nerd come to Jesus. I guess. But I think to a certain extent, it is going to be a nerd rage because I think people have accepted this enough and need to fight back. Yeah, the problem is I'm pretty sure that the people who agree with us are going to agree with us and the people that we're bitching about... Uh, aren't going to change. No. So, right. as a, I mean, that's a lot of disclaiming. We're talking about the worst kind of fanboys. Yes. And not fanboys in general. Right. No, not people who are fans of stuff. No, because we are. Oh, absolutely. Everybody is a fan of something. Right. But there is this this idea, especially in geek culture, and this is what bothers me the most about that type of person, is that a lot of people who are geeks, nerds, whatever, went through some rough patches where they were sort of shunned by a lot of other people because they were physically not up to par, um, their interests were deemed weird. You know, a lot of us have had to go through lack of acceptance. And I think that forms two personalities. That forms the personality that says, I felt awful when that happened to me, so I'm going to make damn sure it doesn't happen to somebody else. Sure. And then there's the other half that goes, I felt awful when that happened to me, and now I'm going to make somebody else feel that way. Yeah. And the geek culture, to me, the best things about it are the acceptance. I got into a very long argument with Jason Underwood and my other podcast, The Bearded Ones, about geek culture and comic cons and how the great thing about cons in general is that geek culture is so expansive you can like anything and it's accepted by everyone because they're like that's the thing you geek out about awesome right but there's that little subculture 
yeah, it's the stupidly vocal minority. Yes. Yeah. And we've all had to deal with them at one point or the other. Well, and what baffles me, I guess it doesn't really baffle me, but it's not exclusive to geeky things. No. Like, it doesn't have to be the PC Master Race people or the Sony people Mm-mm. or the Xbox people. It doesn't have to be the Call of Duty people versus the Battlefield people. It doesn't have to be geeky or nerdy because mm. sports fans have been doing it oh, absolutely. forever. But and, that's usually the people we people like me were mad at in high school for doing it to us. Right. You know, you play volleyball in gym class and you don't do very well and people think you're a piece of shit. I'm like, we're not even doing this for a trophy or something. It's fucking gym class. Yeah, it's the judgment of your inability or right. lack of interest or whatever that becomes an entire judgment about you as a person. Because like it or not, whether you believe in evolution or not, I think that's evidence that evolution exists because there's this primal need in human beings to cull the weakest ones out of the herd and eliminate them. We just can't do it physically anymore. So with the people that haven't evolved as much as others, they feel it's their need to shame that person into going away. It's not as much evolution as it is tribalism. And tribalism itself is evolutionarily advantageous because humans are social creatures and we are also pack hunters. Yes. But since we have kind of advanced into a post-civilization society Mm -hmm. or I guess post pre civilization society, we're civilized now. Yeah, there's no we need don't for need it that, anymore. But we still have it. Like we are all still very tribal, and because especially the more interconnected we become globally through mm-hmm. you know the internet and global commerce and whatnot, the more our tribe becomes not so much the people we are near, right. but the people we relate to on right. some intellectual, emotional, or interest level. But the thing that bothers me about that is that we still have that sort of caveman-esque instinct in us to be that way with certain yes. people. But most evolved people, I look at it this way, like uh, I always talk about, when I talk about prejudice, uh, I always kind of go, it's not that people aren't prejudiced, they are. But the evolved people realize that about themselves and fight against it. And I think this is kind of the same thing. The evolved people realize that Human beings can, and even themselves, can have the tendency to exercise someone out of their social circle that they deem unworthy. But it's the evolved people that go, I shouldn't just go with my gut on this one. I should actually be a compassionate, reasonably uh, uh, accepting human being because I don't want them to feel like I did. Uh, That's certainly one way to look at that. It's the concept of collectivism is something that most people fall Mm -hmm. into, that they ascribe to. and. Largely, in the very broad strokes, that's a perfectly safe and understandable and not able to be judged sort of mentality. Mm -hmm. We as people can only have like, I think it's a hundred people that we can actually be close to. Hmm. That's way more than what I've got. (laughs) Well, as a maximum. But I mean, Ah. of course, you've got people with Facebook friends numbering in the thousands. Sure. And they refer to those people as their friends, even though they... They really are not. They actually can't be. It's it's not possible. And no one can relate on that intimate a level with that many people. Mm-hmm. But because we're so connected to so many people now, it's easy to trick ourselves into thinking that we are or that we can or right. that we should. Right. But and, the people you know, with the smallest tribes, the ones that they that actually kind of recognize, here is me and I am the core of who I am is this. And these six, 12, 40, whatever people share that core. And those are my people. Right. 
everyone else is not my people. But I think the people who recognize that the most are also the people who are best able to not be judgmental or harsh or critical or excluding of anyone not in that group. They simply aren't in that group. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be included in that group. And there are privileges such as it is that will be denied to people outside that group from within. Mm -hmm. Like they won't be really good friends with the 40 cool people in this group or whatever. But that doesn't mean that they're lesser people. They're just not the people for that group. Right. And there is then there still are, honestly, some people that do need to be sort of rejected because they are simply assholes. But you got to at least give them a chance. The thing about the fanboyism, the bad fanboyism that gets me is they're waiting for somebody to fuck up just in the smallest way. So they yeah, can go, I'm better than you. Get the fuck away from me. Exactly. And the Internet makes it so easy. Oh a lot God. of people like to blame the Internet for, you know, it's. The anonymity of it, the mm -hmm. availability of constant contact with people you aren't accountable to. Right. But honestly, yeah, there is totally that effect in place. But those people are still those people. Right. They have an outlet for that, but that doesn't – they aren't different people when they're not on the internet. It is such they a shitty thing better. though, and I've seen it happen with people. It is such a shitty thing to feel like you can act differently on Facebook or whatever because it's almost like when you're an angry drunk and you go, oh, man, I'm sorry. That's not me. I was drunk. No, that's you. Yeah. That is something that you inhibit, but something took those filters away. So you are showing at least a portion of your true self that we don't always see. And some people soberly take that online way too far and then think it's okay to be a completely different person in society. I'm like, who you are is a shithead. Yeah. Like that's that's absolutely true. There is the persistent online identity that the more connected we become through social media and through the fact that most everybody works online to some degree mm -hmm. or another, we all kind of are interconnected to everyone else through different avenues, like your work life and the couple of people at work who you would put on your Facebook page and the couple of people at work on your Facebook page that also go to this bar that you go to. Mm -hmm. Like they see you in three different places there is an identity of you that is consistent and that persists through both in person and online. And that has to be taken into account because those things aren't separate. Right. You may not disclose all of your greatest personal secrets just to your Facebook friends or whatever, where you would to the people that you're talking to quietly at your home. Right. But that's still you. Yeah. And it, it it's one of those things, too, where it's like, People also, those people also tend to see themselves as leaders of whatever tribe they're in because they've got the people that they'll begrudgingly accept just so those people can feel like they're part of a tribe and those other people can feel like they have someone to lead. And so it's not just the fact that this person is a douchebag. They convince others to be douchebags too. Yeah. The little hangers on and the followers. And nowhere is it more apparent to me uh, – if we're talking about geek culture and how geek culture should be a very accepting place, it ha and, and you can talk to this far more than I can, but it just happened to me recently, actually. I've, I've told you we talked about World of Warcraft. I've never been a big MMORPG person, sure. but I got sucked into the DC Online game. Okay. Uh, quite totally. <laughs> I, I haven't gone a day without playing it since I started. Yeah. And you have all these great, cool group missions and raids and things like that. 
And if you have never played one of those type of things before, certain aspects of it are very complicated. Yes. And I've met a lot of cool people who are totally willing to stop in the middle of their game and go, okay, this is what you need to know in order to do this well. Yes. Um, I have met other people who literally, as soon as they get that you aren't quite sure what you're doing, don't just go, okay, dude, here's what you need to do. They go, oh, fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. What? Because you you know, you've got the little log things that you can talk to each other on. I don't do the voice. I don't like just talking randomly to people. But if I need to ask someone a question, I will. And I've, I've had people, hey, can I ask you a quick question? And they'd be like, really? And just leave? Or, yeah, the whole noob thing. Or, yeah. like, since it's a group chat mode, they know that you can see what they're typing. But they'll actually talk to someone else about you. Yeah. And that is just so insulting. And if you give them any lip back, you have committed some sort of cardinal sin. Yeah. And that's the first example that pops into my head. I really hated that about the people who hardcore raid or do Mm -hmm. hardcore gaming through MMOs especially. I I really hated that aspect of it. And I was in a major raid guild for a really long time. Right. And I got so fucking sick of that. And the kinds of things that go along with that attitude. Yes. That me and a couple of my friends left and started our we started our own fucking raid guild with blackjack and hookers yeah uh, we <laughs> sounds awesome we just said you know what fuck it it's just the 10 of us yes and, and again we're, there like are... you people can do your big huge yes. raids and be assholes to new people who don't know what they're doing right and you can be total dick faces to everybody else on the server but we are going to just go do our thing quietly and if we come across somebody who's a cool person who gets along with us, mm-hmm. but may not know what the hell they're doing, mm-hmm. we would much rather teach that person what yes. to do and have a cool person to hang out with and raid with than bitch that they didn't come already as experts. Right. And that's because the big those thing. people are assholes. Yes. Because there's this thing in DC Online, and I'm pretty sure it must be the same in a lot of those types of games yes is that you get assigned a role when you enter into a raid yep and i have the option based on my character of either being a damage role or a controller role okay. and so i always put those two options up and let the computer assign me one of them almost always it assigns me the controller role which is a very hard role to do if you don't know what you're doing sure <laughs> damage is just like run around and hit stuff yeah controller is like oh you got to take care of the healer and you got to have all these special abilities and power your group and all this other stuff and even the language this is another aspect of it too the language that becomes a part of it is language purposefully to exclude people. Yes. And so when someone even tries to help you, they're using that language and you're going, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. Because everyone assumes you must have been doing this type of thing for years. Well, I haven't. Yeah. But I would like to now because this is interesting me. And it's very easy for people to just be so passe about it. And, you know, I I read about it and even the forums are just like you're speaking a completely other language. Well, yeah, I mean, jargon is largely meant to make conversation easy between people who share an interest or pastime or hobby or job. Yeah, It just makes it easier to communicate about the things that need a shorthand. But it also can but so be abused. It, it is, by its nature, exclusionary, not necessarily on purpose. It, its purpose is to make communication easier to those people who need to use it to communicate. Mm-hmm. But by design, not by design, by necessity, that will exclude the people who don't already use it. Yes. Because they don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. And if they say a term, the worst thing you can do with these people is ask what it means. And I, that blows my mind. Like, we were really good at what we did. My group of people. Mm -hmm. We were really very 
quite quality raiders. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or whatever and be like, oh, we were so Did bad. Did you just at. say toot your own whore? My own I'm pretty horn. sure you just said toot your own whore. Horn. If I can get a whore over here, I will toot her. I'm you. sure that you would. But I mean, we were objectively good. And I, I never understood why it was okay to treat people not that were experienced but bad. Right. Like if you're experienced but you just suck, mm-hmm. like that's one thing. Like really, if you've been playing this game for four years or whatever and you've been doing high-level rating and you've been going, you should know what to do. Mm-hmm. The fact that you don't means that you're not paying attention. Or maybe you're paying attention, you're just literally not good at right. this or maybe any game. And there's something to be said for the ability to politely exclude them from mm-hmm. high-level rating. But if what you're talking about is not a high-level raider, but just like an, an actual newbie, someone right. who is new, who comes in and is like, hey, this is my first MMO. I've never done any of this shit before. I've never even played on a computer. Right. I mean, so, and they don't know how to spend their skill points, which is something very basic if you've been doing it at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some people start new and are like, oh, that looks like a fun skill. And I'll put one point out of five in that. And then I'll go put another point out of five in some completely unrelated skill. Yeah. Which is completely not how you do that. That's just very inefficient. <laughs> but if you don't know that when you sign on, know. it's very easy to do. You're like, oh, my God's going to be so powerful. I got all these skills and they're completely yeah. unrelated and won't exactly. help anybody. And what has always baffled me, because I actually had a friend who did exactly that. And what has always baffled me is the response to that from most people is to say, oh, you fucking noob, learn to play. <laughs> well, how are they going to do that if anybody who could ever teach them responds with fucking noob, learn to play? Exactly. If the response is not, hey, I would like to teach you how to play. <laughs> because that's also assuming that they don't give a shit about learning. Whereas right. I just finished a raid the other day where it was very difficult. It was very time consuming and there were a lot of people leaving the group and entering the group because it was hard. And we uh, we finally did it. And I was a controller the whole time. But I had to ask people like, OK, because somebody tried to give me some advice. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. And so finally, after the raid was over, it was just me and this other person left. And I said, hey, can I ask you something? Because somebody just tried to explain how to do this to me and I didn't get it. I think they assume the negative instantly that you just want to fuck around and don't want to help out. But I was like, if somebody can actually tell me the finer points of this, because I thought I understood it, but apparently I don't the way people were talking to me. And she took like 10, 15 minutes out of her time and said, "Okay, this is what this means. This is what you do. Blah, 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 blah. Those are great people. And And that's going to make me so much better the next time I do one. And I got to tell you, that was how we like my whole guild of people tried to treat other people in our guild or not. Like if you wanted to learn, we wanted to help you. Yes. If you wanted to play well, we wanted to help you be good at the game. Like that was totally a thing. Playing devil's advocate here. There are people that, you know, if you don't understand what we're talking about, these games involve large groups of people all with it's almost like a level in a video game where you get to. Well, it is. It's a level in a video game that is insulated from the rest of the game where a certain number of people are allowed and you all have one common goal. And when you get that goal, you are rewarded. What can happen sometimes is that people will phase into that room or that level or whatever and not do shit because all they know is if no one notices then I'm not doing anything. I can still get all the rewards at the end of the level. For free. For free. Yep. So those people do deserve to be kind of like, hey, 
give them a chance because you never know what's going on. They might have gone up to go pee or something. Yeah. And it might be, hey, are you not doing anything because you're AFK? Is your Internet crap? Do you not know right. what you're doing? Are you right. actually just here to waste our time or are right. you just not sure how to ask? Because we will help you if you want help. Yes. What we won't do is carry you because you're an asshole. And that's what it boils down to. Those are the people that deserve to have some shit thrown their way. And maybe not cruelly, but if they're not going to help, get them the hell out. But somebody like me who – because apparently not many people do the controller role because I always sign up for both and I always hope I get damage because there's less technically to do with it. But I always get controller and no one else in the group is. So they all expect me to know exactly what I'm doing. DPS will always be – vastly outnumbered dps will always vastly outnumber tanks healers and controllers yes always. because always, that's always. the other thing that's the hypocritical thing about it though it's it's the one everybody wants because it's the easiest yep it's the thing that you don't have to know as much about just go and hit some shit yep so when you are trying and then people are like oh fuck you man and it's like well then you do it <laughs> yeah so that's just one example though that's the sad thing you walk into a, a comic book shop or a gaming store there's always going to be somebody there that wants to tell you about everything if you ask that just loves it and has this pure joy about it and is like oh you want to you want the best batman graphic novel oh well there's this great one that came out in 86 and blah 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 and then there's that one guy who's like oh you want a batman graphic novel yes. why do you like batman batman sucks yeah the hulk could totally kick batman's ass or whatever or they hate everything that's mainstream even though yeah. you know deep down in their heart they have a spider-man costume in their closet <laughs> who are just like oh you like spider-man Ugh. Yeah. that is the universal sound of the the fanboy asshole Ugh. because yeah. it doesn't matter what you say that's the reason that sound is bad they can you can absolutely disagree about mainstream comics you can absolutely think that they're not very good and you can have a debate about that but there's the guy or the woman who as soon as you say anything that is reasonably popular you're gonna get the ugh. yeah and that sound literally translates into i'm better than you or i'm a hipster douchebag yes And that's what it is. It's not a celebration of geek culture. Yes, of course, more people know about certain super – more people know about Guardians of the Galaxy now just because of that movie. So I'm sure after that movie came out, somebody somewhere went into a comic book shop and said, I want to see all the Guardians of the Galaxy comics because I love the movie. And one person in that store went, great. Guardians of the Galaxy is a great series. This is a great doorway for you into that series. And somebody else went, ugh. They're only here because of the movie. Yep. And the latter is everywhere in geek culture. Thankfully, not the majority, but like you said earlier, the most vocal ones. Yeah. And there's something to be said about being passionate about something to the point where you're willing to fight for it and argue over it. But see, that's different. To me, that's like, no, Chris Evans' Captain America is totally better even than uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. And here's right. why. <laughs> Not because you are stupid for thinking Iron Man no. is awesome or and you're that's the problem. clearly a mongoloid because you do not understand how great Chris Evans' Captain America is. Like, that's just – there is a difference between saying, here's what I love. Let me share my love of it with you. Yes. And then you can share your love of whatever it is you love with me and it'll be awesome. But then after the conversation is over, neither of you leave feeling like a smaller person. Right. These these people's purpose is to make everyone around them feel like lesser beings. Yeah. And even beyond that, it becomes a blind willingness 
to ignore things that don't conform to their viewpoint. Yes. And that's actually where it gets worse for mm-hmm. me. Like my my prime example is I am a PC gamer mostly. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the games that I play, I play on PC. Mm-hmm. I prefer it. I like to have a mouse and keyboard. I I mean I could go through all the the PC Master Race reasons as to why sure. I prefer it personally, but not 20 feet from me is a PS3. Right. An Xbox. Right. A Nintendo Wii, a Nintendo 64 of that course. we plugged in. And I mean, and I have played them, some of them, very recently. I have no problem with consoles, and there are games that I like to play that aren't available on PC. Right. That doesn't, it, it makes me a little irritated because I prefer to play games on my PC. But I don't prefer it in such a way that I think things that aren't on my PC are shit. Right. And I get mad that other people play games not on the PC. Well, like way back early in the series, in this in this show, we yeah. had a very detailed PC versus console gaming conversation. And what we came to the conclusion of is that I like consoles better than PCs. You like PCs better than consoles. We didn't hate each other by the time the conversation was over. Right. But what what really gets to me... Is when, like, I prefer to play on a PC, even though I have nothing really against consoles. No. Even for myself, it's just not my preference. Right. Is when people on either side, like the serious hardcore PC Master Race people or the serious hardcore console Master Race people, Mm -hmm. either one of them, because I'm not technically on either of their sides because I don't hate the other one. Right. They give me shit because I don't hate the other one. Right. Because I'm I'm perfectly confident with my appreciation of pc gaming and my love for steam but i can also play uncharted on my ps3 because uncharted is a fucking awesome game right and it's not available on my computer yes there is this because these people aren't individuals that's the other problem it's like i said before i think a lot of them want to be the sort of rebellious leaders of their own little group so in order to do that they have to pull people along with them to earn their respect you basically end up having to be a a big douchebag too they put you through the ranks it's an initiation and if you disagree with them at all you are therefore a lesser human being and not deserving of their company in their minds which we all know just comes from intense insecurity but there is also that need to spend more of your time being negative about things than to celebrate the things that you supposedly love. Yeah. They would rather just shit on things all the time. And you know what? Some negativity is fun sometimes. It's I mean, just, it's like feeling good about liking something that other people don't like is, I mean, that'll happen. But it's when you have to tear the people down yes. who don't like the things that you like. And it gets even worse when you do that for reasons that are objectively horrible. Yes. Well, because you're taking some possible joy away from yourself simply to adhere to these standards you have set. Yeah. Because like there my... are, I'm sorry, good things that are popular and mainstream. Totally. But it's it's the same thing with, with music. It's the same thing with you know heavy metal, especially back in the 80s. As soon as something got popular, it sucked. Well, no, not necessarily. It just is popular now. And, yeah. But it gets even worse than that. It goes even deeper than that because you have, between the two of us, a singular experience in what happens when people find out that you're a girl. Yeah. Woman, excuse me. Well, I mean, whatever. I'm female. I right. mean, whatever the, I guess, politically correct term for female. I'm a straight yes. white girl. Ovarian carrier. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm female. And... And again, there's this anonymity with those message boards, too. People, I think, a lot of times assume they're talking to guys. I do. I almost always do. 
You know, for me, if their character is female, I usually assume they're female. I mean, I will basically just, I take people both online and in real life as they present themselves. Sure. But if it's just pretty much gender neutral. So if we're talking about like an MMO where there's a, mm-hmm. an avatar representation of a character, mm-hmm. I will generally respond to that avatar the way you would respond to them unless I know better. Right. Like if some hot elf chick walks up to me and is like, hey, my name is Bob and <laughs> I need Which some does happen. <laughs> gold for whatever. Like I'll be like, cool, Bob, what up, dude? Like. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But and you 90% have had ex- of people don't give a shit what gender or sex you are. They don't care. It doesn't matter oh, to them one way or the other. Almost, again, the anonymity of the internet has allowed people to say and do things they would never do in the real world. Yeah. Talk about some of your experiences with those people. Well, there's the saying that there are no girls on the internet. Mm-hmm. And half of that saying is positive. Like, it it's basically just that it is gender neutral or gender irrelevant mm-hmm. that no one needs to be looked down upon or up to for a gender because you literally can't know right there are, there are no girls and i mean like it or not and that's this will be a totally different discussion but male is the gender neutral pronoun that we use in writing and speech sure. it's just part of our language so the gender neutral is still male right for me for me i'm fine with that i don't i don't have any problem with that so it doesn't bother me at all so the there are no girls on the internet thing part of that is just that it doesn't matter your your sex or gender are not relevant right in terms of how we view what you're saying (laughs) and some half of that is uh there are no girls on the internet right so if you say that you are a girl you're either met with complete disbelief because there are no girls on the internet or the much more stereotypical for a reason reaction of it's a girl we have to like do stuff and get all socially awkward and not know what to say and do stupid things and act like weird appropriations of gentlemanly behavior it's just it's ridiculous but then you get the other side that automatically thinks you suck and you shouldn't be playing the game and then there is there are no there are as a rule this is a rule not a statement of gender neutrality but there are and therefore should be no girls on the internet right which is ridiculous go to any con these days there's women everywhere I think yeah. geek culture has really, being so out in the open in the past few years, has really shown that it's not a gender thing. It's no. a person thing. Yes. But combine, you know, stereotypical nerds are very, are socially awkward. Yes, that I is mean, true. nerds tend to be more socially awkward than not nerds. Oh, absolutely. Especially when it comes to dealing with the opposite the sex. The opposite sex. I mean, it's just, that's just a function of social awkwardness and nerds tend to be more socially awkward. That's just a thing. It's not like a judgment on them. It just is a thing. That is a stereotype for a reason. The reason is that it's true. Right. So you combine that social awkwardness with, say, the anonymity of the internet Mm -hmm. or the comfort of a convention around your own interests, and it becomes much easier to uh, dehumanize. Yes. And that that dehumanization, I mean, even if it's well-intentioned dehumanization in terms of Mm -hmm. objectification as opposed to condescension or Mm -hmm. outright hostility – they're still dehumanizing. Yes. And it's not necessarily or always intentional or mean-spirited. Sometimes it is very well-intentioned, but because of social awkwardness or the inability to like appreciate human interconnectivity and behavior, mm-hmm. 
that can translate into poor behavior. Mm-hmm. And it goes both ways. This is not just nerd boys. Oh, no, absolutely. Shitty to nerd girls. It's just but, that I have more experience being a girl on the internet. But I will say, more often than not, the people that I have dealt with and I think gotten the most negative feedback out of have been guys. Yeah, probably. Like, I've watched some really cringy girls. Oh, sure. Like, super awkward. Like, oh, please read a book about how to talk to human beings because yeah. you don't know how to do that yet. And you need to go away until you do. I've seen that from girls. Mm-hmm. It's totally a thing that happens. But it is much easier to find the examples from the other oh, direction. God, it is. And the weird thing about it is, like, you get the guys who are like, there are and therefore should be no girls on the internet. So your opinion doesn't count. The only thing you're good for is your tits. Right. Don't try to be in my raid. Don't try to comment on my forum thread. Don't whatever. And those people are assholes. But what's and scary there are about the those ones guys, who though, are, is what are they like in the real world? That. Not always. Like that. I, think, I think a lot of those guys are pretty skillful at covering shit up. When they have to face other people face to face, well, now they have this name they can hide behind and this avatar they can hide behind and they're able to act the way they want to act. There Could is be some of that, but I think work. most of it isn't the anonymity of the Internet thing because we are advancing quickly toward a persistent online identity where more people put more of them, their true selves into their online presences mm-hmm. because we spend so much of our time online pretending to be somebody else. You know, there was just an article the other day uh, that I saw in Asheville. There's a coffee shop that just came under fire because the two very hippie-seeming, very we-love-everybody owners of this coffee shop have a podcast where they go under two different names and a blog where obviously they go under two different names where all it is is talking about their sexual conquests and making fun of fat women and all this other stuff. There is still a power in anonymity that to a certain extent – I think it has to do with consequences for one thing. Oh, if no doubt. If you're a boss at a, at a company, you have to at least pretend like you want to treat men and women in all races the same. As soon as you get home yes. and sit down at your computer, you don't have the same consequences and sometimes any consequences other than an argument. What is starting to happen is that people are starting to fight against that. Um, I've made a lot of friends over the past couple of years on Facebook with a lot of female comedians who get a lot of messages from guys that are just immediately, here's my cock, want to fuck. Yeah. And as soon as they say no, they start going, well, you're just an uppity bitch and you slut and you whore and all this other stuff. And these women have started posting these exchanges on Facebook. Yeah. And these guys almost always have the same reaction. Oh, please, God, no, I'm married and have kids. (laughs) It's that anonymity that they think there aren't any consequences for acting that way. The thing about it is the belief of a lack of consequences is absolutely true. The availability of the internet and the availability of pseudo-anonymity on the internet mm-hmm. makes believing in a lack of consequences more prevalent. Absolutely. However, this isn't really any different than, say, those coffee shop dudes from Asheville. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their coffee shop and they seem to be very PC and hippie-esque or whatever. But then they go home and talk to their three or five buddies in the shed while they're drinking beer about sure. fat chicks and sure whatever. That's that is still them. They think that they're not going to get in trouble. They feel there that there is a lack of consequence because it's just me and my friends. Mm-hmm. So the internet is just a slightly larger beer shed, man cave, or whatever that they feel comfortable being themselves, being that part of themselves in. 
it's not that they're ne- they would never have said that without it. They totally would have. Yeah. Fifty years ago, they would have done that at the poker table with the mm-hmm. cigars or whatever. But to me, the big difference is when they feel like they have this protection online. If they're just hanging out in a shed talking with their other stupid idiot buddies, then that's one thing. But as soon as they get online and do it, then they feel they have carte blanche to insult people and hurt their feelings. Using this anonymity. They're not really hurting anybody's feelings just chilling out with their stupid buddies. They're just being pigs. Well, what if, I mean, if they are overheard, sure. they absolutely would be. Yes, but, but there, in this case, they, don't they, feel they that can they get that anger overheard. out. But in this case, they can get that anger out directed at someone, get those shitty opinions out directed at someone with the intention of hurting those people's feelings because there just aren't the same consequences. Except there is starting to be. Yes, and I think that's a good thing. I agree. I mean, we are moving socially toward a more persistent online identity in all respects, not just from ourselves, right. but from others. Nothing goes away when it goes to the internet. The internet is forever. And to a certain extent, I do actually think that's dangerous because if I'm 15 and say something stupid online, I don't want it to still be affecting me when I'm 30. It will. Or if I want to indulge myself in social behavior that doesn't isn't hurting anyone – and doesn't have any effect on my ability to, say, be a good employee or whatever, I shouldn't be judged on that. But the Internet, unfortunately, is allowing people to be very affected by those things. Yes. I don't think one mistake, staying online forever, should destroy your life. I don't think one comment should destroy your life. It's the persistent. It's really seeing that this is who these people are. This isn't a, a drunken rant that they didn't really mean, or this isn't a comment that they didn't phrase correctly, so it sounds worse than they meant it. This is these guys or women being who they really want to be with the intention of hurting other people. And I think those people should be called out. Absolutely. And in this respect, they can be far more effectively now than ever before. And we're at a time where the 15-year-olds now and of like 10 years ago to 10 years from now, they will say stupid shit on YouTube comments. They will just like blast racist crap that they're just repeating because they don't actually have any conceptual understanding of what that really means. They just thought it sounded edgy or whatever. And when they're 40 and running for Congress, somebody's going to go, do you know sexy bum bum 69? (laughs) And they're going to be like, I have no recollection of that. Oh, you don't remember saying some horrible racist shit or whatever on this YouTube comment? I have no recollection of Mm -hmm. that. Like that shit's going to happen. But come 10 years from now, those teen, the teenagers of 10 years from now, they'll already know yes. that the internet is forever. That will yes. become a part of, you know, the general sense of the world that we live in. Well, it will people, be a part of them just like the rest of technology will be. I think people, because of their generations, become more savvy with, and forgiving with certain things. It's like when you look at there was a time when if someone running for president admitted that they even saw a joint, everyone would go, oh, right. they can't be in charge of this country. Well, now we've just had two presidents in a row who admitted doing cocaine and marijuana yep. and both got reelected. Yep. So I think it's a generational thing. I don't think internet is. stuff will affect people as much in future generations unless, again, it is pervasive and consistent and happens on a regular basis. Yeah, and then, now there will be a paper trail of that. Oh, yeah. And good, there should be because so many people are so good. It's, you know, it's going back to the serial killer thing. So many people are so good at portraying a certain person to the world when they get in their own little cubby holes where no one else can see them then they can be as just awful as they want. And there's also this whole society of negativity now with just in general where, you know, we were talking about this before the episode. It amazes me when I go through YouTube 
how many things get negative responses or negative likes. Seemingly, you know, I was watching a video the other day on Bonobo Baby Rescue. Okay. These orphaned bonobos and Uh these people would care for them, get them back to adulthood, and then teach them how to survive in the wild and put them back into the wild. Good for them. Absolutely good for them. You know, a hundred and something likes, 40 something dislikes. (laughs) And you're going to go, who's disliking this? And then you read the comments and, you know, it's ne- hardly ever makes any sense. There are people who spend all their time being online just to shit on things. Yeah. And I think they fall into the same category. Yeah. The trolls, the, the career trolls. Oh, my God. Yeah. What do you get out of that? Other than I've just never going, understood. I can tell you what my opinion is and it's not good. Well, I think that there is something to be said. Like, you know how you're a parent. You have probably heard this, how when toddlers throw temper tantrums, Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, some of it is that it is that impactful to them, but some of it is that they are trying to see how much they can both get away with and what reaction they will get out of you as a parent. Uh, I think that career trolls, like serious constant trolls, are just big toddlers. They're all they need, all they want is the reaction. Mm-hmm. They don't care what it is. Negative reaction, positive reaction, doesn't matter. They just want the reaction. And, I mean, there is a phrase, I'm not sure how familiar you are with it, but it is, don't feed the trolls. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So if somebody comes along and is just obviously a troll, just says right. something horribly inflammatory, or just, like, slightly controversial enough to provoke a response mm-hmm. that is, like, potentially inflammatory... Mm-hmm. Those are trolls. And even if they're not being intentional trolls, it's still not worth your energy on the Internet to go into a, oh, I can't sleep. Someone is wrong on the Internet. Like Nobody gives a shit. But because people have to correct a problem, Mm -hmm. like most of us have that drive that if something is incorrect, we have to correct it. Uh, That if a troll comes along and is like, clearly false inflammatory statement. Mm hmm. 14 people are going to be like, fucking, no, it's not. You're wrong for this reason, and you're wrong for that reason, and you're this asshole and that bitch and whatever. And that's what they want. That is what they get out of it is the reaction. Well, and even with that, trolling is starting to be used for good. Uh, I know you've seen the guy that's been trolling pretending to be these companies and just sort of outing and saying the things that these companies would love to say to people that are just bigoted and stupid. Yep. And the most recent one is that Rainbow Doritos thing, which I yeah. think is hilarious looking at what this guy has written. And that is a great, fun, constructive way to do it because it's throwing negativity at negativity. But when, say, you know, we put a video up for the first season of the web series that I'm co-writer and actor in, and I thought the production value of the video was really good, seeing as how what our budget was. I thought it was a clever, cute idea that was okay. executed exactly the way we all thought it was going to be executed. But the problem is it's that silent, it's that vocal minority thing again, where we got a bunch of people that liked it, not too many comments. The only comment was someone that just decided they had to tell us how awful they thought it was. Yeah. And well, so, their opinion matters. You right. clearly needed to know. And that's the other thing. And and I've heard some people bitch about that. Well, if you can't take the negativity, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, there's a difference between just going, this is a piece of shit. And, you know, it's like the whole thing after I'm in a play and I come backstage and people don't have to say anything to me. If yeah. they want to say something nice, great. But it's etiquette not to just walk up to someone and go, here's what I didn't like about your performance. Yeah. 
Now, if I ask their opinion and then they tell me something negative and I call them an asshole, that's on me. If I really want someone's real opinion and they tell me something negative and I get pissed off, then that's my own fault for stepping into it. There is a difference between constructively disagreeing and just being a shithole. Right. Like just being negative for the point of being negative. Mm -hmm. Nothing comes of it except someone got to see that you said something sucked. Right. We didn't provide anything of value there. No. Nobody cares that you think it sucked. Right. Who the fuck are you? Your random YouTube commenter guy? But as the person that put the content out there or had something to do with putting the content out there, regardless of whether we ever admitted it to this person or not, and of course we wouldn't, it still hurt a little bit. So in a way, that person got what they wanted. And I mean, it's always going to be at least slightly eh, hurtful, sure, sure, when somebody says something negative about you, even if it's valueless negativity. Yes. Even if it's like, you suck. Right. With nothing else. That's it. You suck. Right. Well, that is, that's semantically null statement. It provides nothing of value. It adds nothing constructive. It doesn't help me get better. There's nothing good in that at all. Right. It's just you being an asshole. But right. it's still hurtful for people to tell you you suck. You never of want to hear that. It is. Nobody likes that. And it's just so needless. I'm yes. not saying that if you see something online that you should always go, this is the best thing I've ever seen. If you don't like it, you know what? You can just move on. That's what yeah. I do. If I see something that's shitty, I might even mention it to someone else. kind of shitty, right? But my intention is not to destroy that person. They put content up there that they believed in. Good for them. I just don't like it. So yeah. I'm moving on. Not for me. Like Reddit and Imgur both have the upvote downvote system. Yeah. So if you like something, you upvote it for visibility. And if you don't like it, you downvote it so that it goes away and nobody has to see it again. Right. I very rarely downvote anything because right. someone might want to see that. Yes, they might get and something just, out of it. Like I don't like it enough to give it more visibility personally. I don't want to. I mean, it's completely anonymous. Nobody knows that you upvoted or downvoted right. anything. But my, like, I don't really feel that this adds anything to the conversation as a whole right. of whatever it is. So I'm not going to try to raise its visibility well, for and awareness. There is a silent but, disapproval in not acting on something. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not like a thing that I give a shit about. So unless it's something that like, seriously, this is a picture of a retarded kid being forced to eat shit or whatever. Like, I, I'm going to downvote that because no one needs to fucking see that shit. Right. It's just like, that's just awful. It There's nothing of value there whatsoever. Right. But if it's just like, oh, hey, this is a picture of my new car and it's just like a car. Yeah. I mean, nobody needs to see that, I don't think, but not because there's anything wrong with it. It's but just hey, boring. Yeah. So the moving second on. you take it offline, somebody might come along. It's like, man, I would really make my day better to see a cool picture of a car. Yeah. Or maybe somebody else is like, holy crap, I just got that same car and then they yeah. can bond or whatever. And that's yeah. fine. I don't need to deprive people of that. But there are those who just do, who just downvote. I mean, they call them downvote fairies. Yes. Because they just come through and sprinkle hate all over everything. Yes. Not even with like constructive commentary about it. They just sprinkle hate all over everybody. Like nobody needs to see anything that anybody submitted. Fuck all of you. And the thing is, it's like you said, you can use that power for good. If I'm at a con, for example, going back to what we were talking about earlier, and somebody comes in just being a complete ass, then you can band together as your tribe and excise that person. Yeah. It's the people that are so eager to do it that they look for any chink in the armor to go, you are not one of me. Leave this premises where you just kind of go, you are the person that should be that loves to speak up for everyone and should be the last person to speak up for anyone. I think that part of it is not everyone who does this has this, but I think many people who do this have this 
feeling that, how do I want to put this? Anyone who doesn't agree with me or like what I like is not in not just being entitled to their own opinion or having a different taste from me. Mm-hmm. They are actually judging me yes. for liking it. So it's not so much that they are being negative to you. It's that they feel of their own you telling them that they suck, which you're not. Largely, you're just like, oh, cool. You like Batman? Nah, he wasn't really ever my thing. Right. Or whatever. And that's not you saying, you like Batman? You're a fucking retard. Yes. That's you saying, cool, I prefer Spider-Man or whatever. Right. Which isn't like... You're dumb for liking Batman. Right. Why don't you like Spider-Man? What are you, some kind of idiot? That's not at all what you're saying. But I think a lot of people who respond in that way hear that. Yes. They hear, oh, you don't like what I like? Uh, you must be dumb. Absolutely. Or worthless. Or, or they're just into your asshole. And that that deep insecurity, that simply not agreeing with me mm-hmm. must mean that you're judging me. Mm-hmm. That is that is a seriously deep level of insecurity. Really is. And it can absolutely prompt not violent in terms of physical violence, but an emotionally violent reaction. Because being told that you are stupid or that you suck yes. or that you're not worthy of something, that is very, very hurtful. Especially when it's something that you're latching onto because you need the acceptance of other people with similar taste. Right. I mean, it is really dangerous to subject someone for not doing anything wrong who doesn't feel accepted to subject someone to that sort of inacceptance. That's how you get really antisocial behavior and you foster it. Yeah. People need people to accept them. And if they didn't get it through most of their lives and they go to where they think the last bastion of acceptance is going to be for them and get for no good reason turned away and not only turned away, but emotionally scarred from it. You're creating a problem. Yeah. And people, you know, we maybe sound like we're talking very seriously about this, but I mean, it can be a very serious thing if people get really just, you know, it's I saw a movie a few years ago and you might have seen it being as big a comedy person as you are. No, I am not a huge fan of Jamie Kennedy as a stand up comedian. However, he did a pretty interesting documentary a few years ago about okay. I think it's just called Heckler. And oh, he yes. talked. Yeah. And at one point he got into his movie career. And again, not really a fan of many of Jamie Kennedy's movies. Yeah. But the, again, there is a difference between someone where, you know, I kind of was against Jamie Kennedy when he was trying to attack Richard Roper for giving his movie a bad review and saying it was one of the worst movies he'd ever seen. Right. Now, that is Richard Roper's job. And he was being honest without yeah. sparing, you know, feelings. But then he right. interviewed this other guy that said he should die. It's, that's just needless. It's absolutely needless. And this guy would not take it back. But you could also tell there was something wrong with this guy, something just socially wrong with this guy. And this guy actually defeated his plan because it made me kind of feel sorry for Jamie Kennedy inside with him. If that's what you want to do, that's what you got. But it's the same thing with hecklers at a comedy club. They got to say something negative just so their voices can be heard. They want to disrupt the flow of whatever's going on. And those are the same people that will go home and find a YouTube video of cute kittens and go, this is bullshit. Yeah. Instead of just going, or, you know, I don't feel like looking at cute kittens today. Fucking Koreans or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so they're probably the same people that if they were playing MMORPGs would want you to be in their group so they could mock you for not doing a good job at what you're honestly trying to do. 
yeah. the people that would go to a Comic-Con and see you in your Batman shirt and they would have this obscure superhero that their friend you know, created in their basement that's an indie thing that they're the only people that know about and they'll wear that homemade shirt and say, well, you like Batman, you're a piece of shit, you're just doing what everybody else is doing. I like this guy that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. And, you know, those people are the people that give everyone else in these movements a bad name. It seems like every group has every group of everything races, sexual orientations. They've got certain people that love to carry their flags and yell the loudest that everyone else in that group is going, oh, not them. Oh, stop helping. Oh, please, God. Stop. Stop helping. You're not helping. Stop helping. Yeah. And those people, like, they want to see themselves as some sort of a higher thinker than everyone else. And the, the sad thing is, again, we can talk about that. We can get into a little bit more detail about this, too, before we close out, is the hangers on, the people that follow them around. Did you ever see the King of Kong? No. Oh, my God, Chris, you got to see that movie. It's so good. It's a documentary, and it's absolutely 100% true about a guy who lost his job and spent a lot of time getting really good at Donkey Kong to the point where he was going to enter a contest to see if he could best the score of the reigning Donkey Kong champion from, like, 83. And this guy, the reigning champion, was the biggest douchebag you've ever met in your life. And he had all these hangers on because he was such a big name in the gamer from 1983. He's like the fucking football jock from your high school who never left hometown and is still bragging about that one fucking pass in yes. homecoming or whatever oh yes and you're 45 now and oh, who yes. the fuck gives a shit it might be on netflix you need to watch it okay. it is wonderful but this guy billy something is the epitome of that personality type he can excel at one thing and that makes him god in his eyes and anybody that comes in that challenges that or tries to contradict him is just a stupid piece of shit it's like every high school drama movie from the 80s. Yeah. That's so yeah. ridiculous. And it is just this, because we've all kind of done it in our lives. But those of us that are human beings realized our error and saw that we hurt somebody or had something to do with hurting somebody and sure. don't want to do it again. We become empathetic to, you know, that's how I felt. I don't want to make this person feel the way I felt ever again. We've all done it. And it's part of emotional maturing and growth to go, I need to rise above these base feelings and go, you know what? I at least need to give this person a chance. And, you know, it's totally cool if you're if you get into an argument or if you have a disagreement or whatever. And even at like a really heated kind of hateful one, like those happen to Mm -hmm. human beings, perfectly empathetic human beings. They even happen between people who love each other a lot. Like close friends will have those kinds of knockdown, drag out arguments, but still go out for a beer on Friday. Whatever. Because if you're passionate about something, you want to fight for it. Absolutely. But it's, it's a completely different ball of wax, wax to be like, oh, you've said this thing that I don't agree with. Right. You need to go die. It's the knee-jerk reaction. I hope reaction. you get AIDS. Like, why? Why? It's the knee-jerk reaction. That? It's those people are waiting for those con- confrontations to happen because they have got to get that anger out on somebody. I thought one of my favorite examples of uh, horrible fanboyism mm-hmm. was from Chris Brown's fangirls. Okay. I guess apparently the people who like Chris Brown consider themselves a part of Team Breezy. Oh, God. Which, whatever. I mean, well, see, I can judge people for now. liking Chris Brown because he beat his wife. That's, that's girlfriend. But yeah, this is what happened. So Andy Levy from Fox News went had a small Twitter exchange with Chris Brown at one point. Mm-hmm. Chris Brown tweeted, no more planking for me unless it's on a sexy lady, lol. Oh, God. 
And Andy Levy from Fox News retweeted that and said, you spelled punching wrong, <laughs> which was pretty brilliant. Yeah. And then got just a slew of fangirl hate. Yeah. Like a lot of it and went on the air to say this. I'm just going to quote it. <clears throat> I apologize for referencing the fact that you beat the crap out of Rihanna. It was disrespectful of me to draw attention to the fact that you put your girlfriend in the hospital. <laughs> and further, it was not my place to make people remember that you beat a woman with your fists, leaving right. her with multiple facial contusions, a bloody nose, and a split lip. I know that now. I also appreciate that you tweeted me, letting me know that children conduct themselves better than I do. You are correct, and I can only hope to one day mature to the point where I can conduct myself in a more adult manner. Possibly by throwing a chair out of a window and storming out of a building with my shirt off. I That's ask only for your patience. To Team Breezy, I would like to also say that I'm sorry and thank you for your thousands of tweets, which taught me a lot about the creative possibilities of spelling, grammar, and syntax. In particular, I'd like to thank the female members of Team Breezy who have taught me that as long as you can sing, you can beat the living hell out of a woman and other women will still love you. <laughs> That's pretty beautiful. Because seriously, how are you defending that? Yeah. Well, I mean, but everybody has that. Everybody has those defenders. I mean, everybody has those people. I mean, there's still believers in this world that if you even hint that you're saying Justin Bag, Justin Bag, Justin Bieber is a bit of a douchebag, which he has proven on a number of occasions. He's a complete douchebag. Bring it, believers. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's like he's proving this. It's not my opinion based on the fact that I don't like his music. I can say I don't like his music. I don't have to immediately jump to he's a douchebag. Justin right. Bieber has proven to me that he's a douchebag. There are a lot of people whose music I don't like. Right. That are Doesn't perfectly fine people. Like I bet John Tesh is a super nice guy. Probably. Never wanted to sit down and listen to a John Tesh record. Um, um, what's his name? He used to have the long hair and sing like this. Michael Bolton. Yes. Never been a big Michael Bolton fan. He seems like a really cool guy. So, you know, Justin Bieber makes music that I don't like and is a douchebag. So, you know, you can you can debate me on that all you want, but as soon as you take that anger and direct it at someone simply because they're saying the guy you like is proving to me that he's not a good person. It's just so easy online. That's the problem. I like the thing about it is it's it gets worse the blinder the fanboyism becomes. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, for sure. The 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 thing about Team Breezy or whatever is one, but there were there was a fake Twitter hashtag trend a while ago that was about justin bieber saying you should cut yourself or something yeah. and fucking girls were doing that of course they were but why what you just oh cool justin bieber says i should slice parts of my body with right. sharp instruments yeah i'm gonna do that mm -hmm. no thought process whatsoever it's blind following i can't get behind that at all that baffles me and it is when it gets the worst is that blindness yes and that well, obedience to that it's just it's repulsive. In a way, it's what we were talking about before, though. It's that need, that desire, that that passionate need for some form of acceptance, any form of acceptance, that when you feel you're on a team, then you got to be all in. And the reason that I think those kind of people are the kind of people we were talking about earlier are bad is because they will get their followers and they will get the people that will swear allegiance to them just because they have that desperate need for acceptance, but they also have an inner need to be better than everyone else. Yeah. So now they have become part of a group where they're all worshiping this one thing or this one person or this one whatever, but because that person treats other people like shit and says they're above all these other people, they can also then feel like they're above all these other people. 
Like I may be following this guy, but I'm still higher on the on the on the priority list than you. It's that yeah. same, I think, sort of insecurity, just feeding insecurity, just feed. You know, anger leads to hate. <laughs> hate leads to suffering. Hate leads to suffering. And boy, I want some of these people to suffer. I don't. I just want them to stop doing those things where I can see it. <laughs> it's it's the only it's the only way they will stop is if they suffer. What's that really blew my mind about the Jamie Kennedy Heckler thing? Because you always have this idea that if you confront someone face to face, I mean, what have we been talking about this whole time? Anonymity. This guy didn't give a shit. No, and that's he what was I'm on saying. Camera. The internet anonymity thing is real. That's not a joke. It's that's a legit premise. But it isn't the whole story. No. It's just that it has given people who want to be anonymous and people who don't want to be anonymous a platform, a soapbox. Yeah, sure. And by God, they use it. And that's why if we could construct a world that we actually do have some control over, unlike the world we actually live in, it is the Internet. And just do everything you can to not be that person. I guess that's the lesson and the moral of this episode. Don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. I mean, really, don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't turn into a giant penis and also don't be a dick. Right. You can have a dick. Just don't be one. Right. So I guess we've said about all we need to say about that. Yeah, probably. I don't hope you guys have enjoyed yeah. this hour and a half rant and I hope you agree with us. And if you don't, you can uh, you can debate us. You can email us and have an open discussion about it. But, but don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Right. So I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.